When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's good to, Book of, I like how I said that, Book of Sean, it's good to see you. Thank you for being a part of this tonight. We're going to have a great, great, great show with a great conversation. My guest is here, Keisha. I'm going to talk to her about, you know, her journey with her family and friends because you're not going to agree with everybody, right? You're not always going to get on. You, we all have a relative in our family or a friend in our friend circle who has different beliefs on different things, right? The question is, how do you love somebody that you don't agree with? How do you love somebody that you don't politically see the world the same way with? Can you still be friends with somebody and you vote differently or you view love differently, right? What about if you don't view God the same way? They're a Muslim, you're a Jew. <laughs> can you be? Yes, of course you can. And, and what, what I'm going to model tonight, because all of you know I'm a progressive guy, right? Everybody watches I'm a progressive guy. But my guest tonight is a Republican. She's a, she's a conservative Republican who supports Donald Trump. But here's the thing, we're not here to talk about politics. We're here to help her work her way through how she can be connected, reconnected with her family and friends. And more importantly, I wanna hear her heart. I wanna hear her journey. I wanna hear how good people have made her feel bad because she doesn't see the world the way that they do. And I want you to hear her heart. Because every time we try to give somebody a hard time because they don't vote the way we do or believe the way we do or love the way we do, we need to know what it does to people, okay? Because beyond political beliefs, we're human beings. That's your family. That's your friend. Remember that. <laughs> and then we're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean because you guys sent me some great questions. But we always start out with a few headlines because there's some interesting things going on in the world. And I like to talk about them because that's what they pay me to do. Play the bumper, highly. <laughs> All right, check this out. Did you hear about the Subway sandwich that... Sandwich, I said that. Sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. That cost a woman nearly $2,000? Did you hear about this story? Listen to this. Apparently, apparently Jessica Lee was traveling from Greece to Australia uh, when she had a layover in Singapore. And she bought a Subway sandwich because she was hungry. And she ate half of the sandwich and stuffed the other half in her bag. Well, she forgot that the sandwich was there when she landed in Australia and went through customs. So she didn't declare that she had the sandwich. And apparently, because she didn't declare it, she was in violation of the Biosecurity Act that is a part of Australian law. And they fined her $1,844 for breaking the law. <laughs> that is the most expensive Subway sandwich in the history of the world. Listen, man. Okay, first of all, let me just say this. Australians apparently ain't playing. <laughs> they, if you come into their country with some food you didn't declare, you're going to get fined, okay? Y'all hear what I'm saying unto you? As my mama would say, unto you. <laughs> hear me when I tell you this, okay? Here it is. 
If you go to Russia, don't take marijuana products with you. Okay? Don't take that. Don't take no CBD oil to Russia, okay? And apparently, if you go to Australia, you better declare whatever food you bring because they will find you, okay? How about this? Eat your sandwich before you land. <laughs> Eat it all on the plane so there's no evidence because these people ain't playing. And here's the moral of the story, okay? Here's the lesson. When you're in somebody else's house, you got to play by somebody else's rules. You know you want to say amen because that was good. You don't get to walk into somebody else's space and decide what you want to do. It ain't your space. Always, have a, always be self-aware enough to know that when you have to adjust, acquiesce, augment, change, transform, right? Be pliable, amenable. I can keep going. You need me to keep going? <laughs> when you have to allow other people, right, to have a say-so. You see, as Americans and as human beings, we like to think we ought to have to say so all the time because, you know, our way is the right way. And no, 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 no. You in somebody else's space, you got to play by somebody else's rules or you at least got to meet them in the middle. Now, if you want to play by your own rules, here's what you should do. You ready for this? Get your own space. <laughs> How about this? That's why, that's why I have, I live alone and I'm very happy with it, okay? You know why? Because I get to do whatever I want to do. I don't want to wash the dishes. Guess what I don't do? I don't, want, I don't wash the dishes. The garbage can sit there for two days. <laughs> Who's going to tell me to take it out? You know why? Because it's my space. But when I go to visit people and I stay with people and I spend time with people, I can't do that in somebody else's house. I got I to gotta respect who I'm with. All right. But here's the good news. Apparently, Subway found out what happened to the Blessed Sister, and they, um, they gave Jessica a voucher for um, $1,844 sandwiches <laughs> this was the part i couldn't wait to get to subway i love you to death sometimes i even eat your food okay i think you're a great company i wish you well i tell everybody i'm not a socialist i'm a capitalist dr sean likes money okay subway i hope you make a lot of money and do well but y'all know damn well y'all should have given that woman money <laughs> not, not a voucher to get uh, 1,800 sandwiches. Come on, Subway. Okay. The woman, the woman almost went to jail for you. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about Pope Francis. All right? So last week, Pope Francis apologized for the Catholic Church's abuse of indigenous children in Canada. And the Pope said this. Listen to this. I humbly beg for forgiveness for the evil committed by so many Christians against indigenous people. Apparently, the Catholic Church uh, generations ago established something called residential schools, which forcibly separated indigenous children from their parents and from their families as a part of an effort to convert them to Christianity and to assimilate them to Canadian culture. I have a lot of problems with the Catholic Church, as you guys know, and I'm very vocal about it, but you got to give credit where credit is due. I happen to like Pope Francis more than I've liked a lot of the popes. And I, I like what he did here. You got to give credit where credit is due. And let me tell you why. You ready for this? Lean in. Lean in. How many major institutions are saying sorry for the atrocities they committed? I'm going to wait for you to answer. How many major institutions are out in the world saying sorry for the atrocities that they committed? Uh, they're not. But Pope Francis has the wherewithal and humanity to do it. I mean, the government of the United States of America has never apologized for slavery. Did they ever apologize for Jim Crow, lynching, segregation, supporting it by legal means and laws? No, they never officially apologized. And it's not that black people need an apology, so don't go there. 
we don't need an apology. The apology isn't for us. Apologies never help the soul of the victim. They cleanse the soul of the perpetrator. America needs to apologize to cleanse America's soul, not help us. Apologize to help yourself. <laughs> but, but, but listen, most people are not strong enough to apologize. And don't tell me because America came up with the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act that it doesn't need to apologize. It does, because apologies cleanse the soul. Policies help our relationships as civic beings. Apologies make you a better person in the garden of humanity. See, most of the people that hurt you are not strong enough and don't have integrity to care about the fact that they did it. Let's say it again because you seem like you missed it. Most of the people that hurt you in your personal life, I ain't talking about America, I ain't talking about black folks, I ain't talking about indigenous people, I'm talking about you and your own unique world. Most of the people that hurt you don't have enough character to care about the fact that they did it. So in most cases, you ain't going to get no apology. Most of the people don't have the wherewithal to actually say that they're sorry. But here's my advice. The next time you need to say that you're sorry, and that next time, rather, that you need to apologize, because we all want people to apologize to us. But the truth of the matter is, there's some folks that we need to apologize to. Come on, say amen. Come on, say it. Just say it. Yeah, we've all hurt people, and there's some things that we need to apologize for. And here's my wisdom when it comes to that. The next time that you have to apologize, don't just say, I'm sorry. Mm-mm-mm. Do what the Pope did. The Pope asked for forgiveness. Because when you ask people that you've hurt for forgiveness, you give them back the power they deserve to decide how they want to respond to you. Ooh, that's good. I'm not always a big fan of the Catholic Church, but Pope Francis, when he does it right, he does it right. All right, let's move on to this story. Keisha, I hope this has never happened to you. It has happened to me. (laughs) I think I may have done it to a few people myself. Y'all pray for me. Let's talk about ghosting. Yes, ghosting. You know what it is, right? Uh, We're all familiar with the practice of ghosting, which is when someone calls off communication and when someone uh, stops talking to you without an explanation or rhyme or reason they just vanish right and you just like where did this person go you know y'all spend every day together texting three times a day for nine months and all of a sudden one day on a saturday at two o'clock in the afternoon they gone they done ghosted you there was a whole show on, M- on mtv called ghosting i watched every episode it was riveting <laughs> people trying to figure out why other people left them that kind of stuff <laughs> but anyway apparently the phenomenon that's really big on social media and dating apps. Um, in a recent study, it was found that that phenomenon has a very serious impact negatively on mental health. So people who are ghosted tend to have extreme mental health effects from having people left them because the rejection and the isolation is overwhelming. And I think it also has something to do with the fact that when it comes to these phones right here, see my little phone? When it comes to these phones right here, we're so used to getting a response when we, when we, when we, t- when we text or getting a notification. We're so used to that dopamine rush, right? And then when we text somebody and we don't get that dopamine rush, we're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But the truth of the matter is people have been ignoring other people for generations. <laughs> Ghosting is not a new phenomenon. You just didn't happen in your phone. But what is new about ghosting is that it really is overwhelmingly affecting people in such a way that people's mental health is being augmented and changed for the negative and not for the positive. And here's what I find most interesting about it, is that when it's all said and done, 
the actual rejection is the thing that sort of breaks people's spirit and wounds people. Because here it is, you've given your attention and your time to someone, and you've poured into someone undivided attention and response. And out of nowhere, they just decide that they don't ever want to talk to you again. But here's what I know for sure. The people who are with you cannot leave you. And the people who are against you cannot stay. And when somebody can just get up and walk away from you and never talk to you again, let them go. Let them go. I just happen to believe that when somebody can just walk out on you without explanation or the decency of closure, that's not rejection. That's protection. Because you were secretly connected to a monster and you didn't even know it. Or at the very least, you were connected to someone who didn't want to be connected to you. And if, I, and if you don't want to be connected to me, here's where I am in my life. Come on, talk to me if you're with me. If you don't want to be connected to me, it's fine. I'm fine with it. But I don't want to spend another day of my life wasting my time trying to hold on to somebody that's begging me to leave. Been there, done that. <laughs> don't act like I'm the only one either. Here's the last thing I'm going to say about this. You know, when somebody doesn't want to be around you, doesn't appreciate you or value you, that ain't your problem. And you got to see it for what it is. Let them go. And how about you move on? Let me do my last one before I talk to Keisha with the incredible smile, by the way. My last you get, look at that. Let's see, look at that smile. How do you not, look at that. (sighs) All right, let's talk about fast food real quick. Recent studies have found that eating ultra-processed foods or, or, or having at least 20% of your caloric intake come from processed foods uh, can set you on a path that leads you to cognitive decline. It's been vastly reported that processed foods like instant noodles that he eats over there, frozen meals, him, hot dogs, definitely him, Steve-O's over there, sugary drinks, yes, see, you, you ain't going to be able to think in a few years <laughs> that all of those foods lead to cognitive decline, all right? And they contribute uh, to the loss of what's called executive function, which is the ability to process information and to make decisions. You see, it's interesting because, you know, the food, it, it, okay, let me put it this way. What would you say if I told you that the food you're eating today might make you not know your name tomorrow? What would you do about that food? (laughs) Now, if you got any sense, you're going to put the hot dog down, right? Because if the food I'm eating today means I'm not going to know who my children are tomorrow, that hamburger, whatever it is, the noodles, it ain't worth it. The soda is not worth it, right? It's not worth it. But the reality is a lot of us eat a lot of processed foods. And a lot of us fail to realize that we're not 15 anymore. Can we all just say that together? There may be some 15-year-olds watching right now, but we're not 15. And when you were 15, you could eat anything and your body would process it and keep it moving. But when you get to be 30, come on, black folks, white folks, gay folks, straight folks, talk to me. Come on, talk to me. When you get to be 30, yes, it all comes back on you. You can't eat like that anymore. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that you should eat to live and not live to eat. And whatever you think about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he was right about that. He was definitely right about that. It's become almost abundantly clear that foods, that processed foods aren't good for us. 
But the challenge of the black community and brown communities and poor white communities is that most of the food that we eat is processed. There are very few gardens, right, in urban areas. We've had a lot of movements in the black community particularly, particularly rather. But I don't know if we've had a movement about food, about clean, fresh, natural food. And maybe we need to start one. And I, and I know there are a lot of people who are engaged in this work. So when I say start, I don't mean start. When I say start, I mean embrace. Maybe we need to start fighting for our food and fighting, that the food, fighting for the fact that, or the truth or the possibility that the food that we eat is real food. Because if it, if it is true that processed food is leading to cognitive decline, we got to fight against this because if you lose everything that you own and everything that you have, the one thing you better keep is your mind. Because if you lose your car and lose your house and lose your clothes and lose your 401k, if you keep your mind, guess what? You can get it all back. Don't play with me. <laughs> Don't play with me tonight. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to my sister Keisha. Okay? We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about disagreements. We're going to talk about what it means to be connected with people that you fundamentally disagree with. Yeah, you're going to want to hear this. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So you're not always going to agree with the people that you care about, right? And that could be over small things or big things or political things or historical things. Agreement is, if, a, if constant agreement is a requirement for relationship, then you're going to be lonely. <laughs> we talk about diversity, but we don't always mean it, right? We want everybody to be around us that looks like us, but, you know, you better think what we think in the way that we think it. What do you do when you're connected with people who look like you but don't think the way that you do? My guest tonight has had the journey of having to be an outlier in her own family and community because she has a different political sensibility. Doesn't make her bad. Doesn't even make her good. It just makes it makes her who she is. I can't wait to listen to her journey because I want you to hear what happens when we reject people on superficial grounds. OK, welcome to the show tonight. Keisha King. Hey, Keisha. Hi, Dr. Sean. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. I, I, I want to begin this way because I want you to feel very comfortable. OK, um, I want you to know that you don't have to defend your political beliefs with me. You don't have to justify why you are a conservative Republican that supports, you know, Donald Trump. That, I'm, that's a given, okay? I'm, 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 the grace and the diversity that you uh, deserve, you're going to experience here with me, okay? So, so you, you, are, and you are never going to be in this interview in a position where you are backpedaling and defending your blackness or your politics. I'm not interested in that, okay? So, so do you feel comfortable? I do. I do. Good, 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 good. Well, it's important because what I've found is that most black Republicans are very defensive because they're always being attacked, <laughs> always being attacked. And I said, the next time I have a black Republican on my show, I want to start by letting them know I ain't here to hurt you. <laughs> I'm warm and cuddly. <laughs> I'm very friendly. That's what I do. All right. All right. So. Um, I've sort of given it away a little bit, but I want, I want you to take me into the story. You're here tonight because you want to be able to reconcile and have better relationship with family and friends. Tell everybody beyond my introduction why that remains a difficulty. 
Well, so, um, you know, once I started researching and I, you know, discovered all this, these historical facts and things like that, I went to my family and I was like, you know, I don't think we're voting for the right party. And, you know, some people were like, um, oh, my gosh, she's drunk the Kool-Aid. And it just caused a lot of um, tension in, in my family. And at one point it was like, OK, maybe we just need maybe there's a season of time that we just need to kind of separate, you know, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm coming for Christmas. I'm coming to Thanksgiving dinner. Sorry, we don't have to talk about politics, which we don't do anymore. Um, but I'm not going to separate myself and my family. Um, my family has, we've sort of worked through a lot of those things by just not talking about it. Mm. But friends and certainly on social media, um, you know, it's been a real struggle. And for me, Part of that uh, transformation was more than just political. It was a spiritual thing. God spoke to my heart and told me that my skin color had become an idol in my life. And it was a it was more than politics for me. So, um, you know, trying to explain that and, and trying to get people to hear my heart. It's you know, it's just been a struggle. So, Dr. Sean, yeah, I need your help. Yeah, listen, listen, I thank you for you know walking us through that. Right. Um, and, and even as you said it, um, I, I, I sense on you. Um, what some of the separation and the isolation has done. Um, tell me this. What do your family and friends say? And, and I'm asking this very particular question for a very particular reason. What do they say to you or about you with respect to your political views? And I, I'm not asking about your views. What I'm asking is what do they say to you about your views, about you? <laughs> Well, I mean, I've gotten the, you know, sellout, I've gotten the coon, I've gotten the um, just basically kind of thinking that I'm crazy. I mean, honestly, just thinking that I don't care about black people or just thinking that, um, you know, I'm trying to appease white people, <laughs> um, you know, just all kinds of crazy things. Well, to me, it seems crazy because those things are just so far from the truth of what I truly believe. Yeah. So, so, so hold, hold, hold on a second. I'm sorry to cut you off because I, because I want to stay on this track. So, so tell everybody, because this, this is, this, this is why talking to you is so valuable tonight. Tell everybody how that makes you feel for your family and your friends, the people that you love and are closest to you to treat you and talk of you in this way. What does it do to you? Um, it hurts, you know, it makes me feel very misunderstood because obviously I do care about black Americans, black people, my family, my friends, um, you know, it's, it's so, I feel just misunderstood and that people have it so wrong, you know, that I'm honestly just doing this because this is what I truly believe. There's no agenda behind it. There is no, any of that, but people refuse to believe it sometimes. And you know, it's hard to make people understand that I just believe that doing what we've always done in the past, I don't think that that has worked for us. And I just don't think that it has ever been the best way for us to go. Um, but for some reason, it translates that I don't love black people or that I'm looking for some acceptance from white people. And I just don't feel that way. No, at all. Listen, listen, I, I take your word for it. Right. That's that. If, if that's what you say, then that's what it is. But 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 again, I want I want to drill down on this because I need everybody who's watching my show tonight to put themselves either in your shoes or put themselves in the shoes of the people who say these things to you and to know that beyond the politics, beyond the slogans, we're dealing with real people. 
So, so I'm going to ask you this again, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to track your face a little bit, all right? When your family and friends and your closest people call you a sellout, what does it do to you? It hurts me. It, it truly, it hurts me. And it has made me cry. You know, it has made me really, it, it has made me turn around to question my own self. And I just, you know, I had to examine my own heart and say, you know, is this true? And then I know that's not true. Have you ever told them, have you ever told them how they make you feel? Um, probably not as in, Probably not as honest as. Oh, no, I- this is this just got real interesting. Tell me why. I mean, as best as best as you can claim it and speak it. Tell me why you haven't said it to them. I think I spend a lot of time, like what you said uh, earlier, in defending myself. I think mm-hmm. I'm always trying to prove that I'm not whatever they think I am. That mm-hmm. I'm not really focused on explaining to them how, what it does to me and how it makes me. Feel. Mm. I, I feel like I think I spend more time trying to defend my position mm. instead of, you know, just saying. Oh, wait, wait, hey. Keisha, Keisha, that you, I, I just had an aha moment because what, what, what I hear you saying is, and, and just correct me if I'm wrong, affirm me if I'm right, though, that, that, that you spend time defending your position, but not enough time speaking your heart. Yeah, I think so. Especially in the past, like when it was first happening, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What what do you think would happen if you if you made if you went through the transition of 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 deciding that you don't have to defend your position, that you don't have to explain your beliefs, that you don't have to need any, you don't need anybody's consent, you don't need anybody's approval, you don't need anybody to pat you on the back and tell you you're right. You have your own mind, you have your own perspective, you have your own politics, and that for the rest of this time in this relationship, what you're determined to do is to make sure that people know how they're affecting your heart. What do you think about that? I think that's hard. I think that's hard for a lot of reasons. I think, number one, probably because, you know, women, we tend to want to seek approval. Mm. Um, So it has definitely been hard to pretend like, you know, and it's my family and things like that, because I, I, I have to be honest, I do want their approval. You know, I do. But I mean, as but, I get older, but maybe, but a- maybe that's the problem. <laughs> see, see, maybe it's not the politics. Maybe the problem is um, the, 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 the need to have them co-sign validate. Right. Um, because see, see when, I, when I thought about you today and I thought what we have to do in this conversation is we have to separate. Right. The fact that you are Keisha, the daughter, the sister, the cousin, the friend, you know, the home girl, the the, you know, the amazing human being from Keisha, who is the political agent uh, with, with a political identity, with a certain conservative sensibility. Right. I understand all of that is who you are, but your first relationships were based upon you being you before you even had right some sort of political epiphany so so my point is this um what do you think would happen if you stopped needing approval uh it would be very freeing it would be very freeing Mm, i I just saw something change in your face what was that what was that (laughs) yeah it would it would be um and it's only from certain people. That's the thing, Dr. Sean. It's not like from every, there's some people that disagree. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, 
particularly my family, you know, when it's my family, I think I've always been kind of in search of their approval, not even with just this. I mm. think it some other things too. So yeah. I think that's an extension of that. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, you, you said something at the beginning of this part of the conversation um, that as a woman, right, that, that, that women are often are put in the position where validation and acceptance is important. Could you say a little more about that? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I just, women that I talk to and just listening to, you know, how women talk um, and just reading and I find that women tend, to, men tend to be, you know, just a lot more assertive and, you know, decision, like, okay, this is how I feel, I said what I said. <laughs> and, you know, women, we tend to, you know, just kind of search for, especially those that are close to us, wanting their approval um, and their opinion. I think that's why we kind of fashion ourselves around other women, you know, we're kind of more community oriented that way. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know if it's like, a, you know, a, a god-given thing or are we just inherently that way or you know if it's a learned behavior but um i don't know i just see it seems like that i see a lot of women that tend to lean that way in search of that approval yeah it's it's, it's a pattern that that i think you you've, you've really identified correctly and it's exactly why i wanted you to speak on it a little more i have to take this break um but but but, but here's what i've gathered just already from talking to you if you can have the courage to walk in a different political sensibility and to have a very different view of what is good for your community than most of the people in your community have, then I already know you have courage. Then I already know you have strength. Then I already know you are strong in places that make, will make other people completely terrified. Then the only thing standing between you and the need to no longer need validation is your ability to accept the truth that I just gave you. I didn't That's a fact. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to my sister, Keisha King, and, uh, who is a, a conservative Republican supporter of Donald Trump, um, having conflict and having uh, unresolved tensions with her family and friends because of her politics. And tonight we're talking about, you know, how... She and you and me, all of us can be connected with somebody that we disagree with, right? Can we disagree without being disagreeable? Huh? Can, can we not get along and not burn down the village? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, Keisha. Um, listen, before, before we took our break, I, um, I, I, you know, I got into one of my rhythms. And, uh, and I said some things to you about you. Um, and I could see it affected you. I could see it, 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 it struck a chord in you. Um, and I'm glad to see that because, you know, I, I just I, I let me just tell you about me a little bit about me. OK, I have a heart for people who get rejected, even even if the thing that you get rejected on is something that I don't agree with. I still just don't agree with the rejection. You know what I'm saying? And I'm wondering I, I've been rejected. Right. I've been, I've been, let me tell you, I've been rejected. <laughs> so I know the feeling. Um, do, do you ever get angry because you seem so you seem so, you know, pleasant and you know so well-spoken and you present yourself amazingly by the way uh your, your parents did a great job with you but do you ever get mad heck yeah I okay. Get pissed off. <laughs> okay good that's healthy that's healthy that's healthy so when, when they call you these names and they do this you do actually have an emotional reaction 
Oh, yes. Not as much as I used to, because I've been in it for a little while now, Dr. Jean. Um, but for sure, yeah, I still get mad. Okay, good. Because I, I think that's healthy, right? I, I, I think you should feel what you're feeling in the moment, and you should give it voice and give it, give it you may not want to act on it, but you should at least acknowledge the truth of what you're feeling. You mentioned something earlier, and I just want to double back to it. Um, when you first started, you mentioned that now you're able to be around your family and friends and not talk politics. Um, how did you come to that? It was just causing such a, a rift, you know, and in, in my family, just me trying to, them trying to, I guess somewhat of an attempt to understand and me trying to explain, but before we could even really get into anything, it would just turn into these crazy arguments. And we just decided, you know what, we are not going to go there. We're just not going to talk about politics. And, um, you know, we, that's how we have decided to, you know, resolve, resolve that and, and remain an intact family. Yeah. You know, and and, and I, when you said it the first time, I thought to myself, I have to remember to ask her, is she okay with the truce? Because, because the great question of this conversation, because, hey, hey, so, okay, so you and I are having a micro moment, right? We're down in the weeds. But there's a meta consideration. There's a big consideration that both of us are dealing with and the audience really needs to consider, all of us. And here's the, here's the meta question. Can you be connected to someone? Can you love someone? who will never agree with you. I mean, I think so. I mean, I work around and become very friendly with, I'm a Christian woman and I work around people that are atheists. I mean, I've kind of, I've always kind of been like that though, Dr. Sean, I can, I kind of like the kind of person that doesn't really meet a stranger. Um, so that really doesn't bother me. I can connect Good. with people where we agree, you know, and I can, I can put those other things to the side. Um, so yeah, I do believe that that is possible. Uh, it's do, do, hold on. difficult. Do, Keisha, hold on one second. Do you believe your, your family and friends can do that? Cause I, I get it. You can do that as, as you assess them. No, 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 no particular one of them, but just as a group, right? Mm -hmm. Have they presented themselves to be able to be connected with you, even though you, they will never agree with you and you will never agree with them? And no, you know, I, I honestly, you know, I have noticed that, you know, we have not been as close as we have been in the past. Um, I think we're trying, we're, we're trying to, you know, and I have to respect that, you know, um, it's, we, we don't have the closest that we used to have before, yeah. you know, this, but we're trying, it's, there is a healthy, I think, attempt to remain an intact family where we are not like, fighting and yeah. just like walk into the room they're like oh i can't stand her <laughs> or whatever but keisha uh, willingness is the hardest part that's the hardest part willingness is the hardest part if you have the willingness you're, you're at least halfway there so let's do some work tonight all right because you've given me great insight let's do in a few minutes that i have left let's do some work tell me as if i were a member of your family what your family and friends mean to you Oh, gosh, Dr. Sean, you're going to make me cry. Um, my family, my friends. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's all we have. Um, don't say we, say I. Come on, I statement. That's don't, at the end of the don't day. Don't push it away. Own it. Okay. <laughs> at the end of the day, that's all I have. 
And I think that's actually why I think their approval means so much to me is because I know that, you know, I grew up with my family, you know, they, they were there when I was, when I had nothing, they were, they've been there for me. And, um, you know, my children, my family, I mean, they just okay, mean okay. Keisha, stop. Let, let, let's do it this way. Talk to them right now. Tell them what they mean to you right now. Go ahead. Well, you are everything. I, I love you dearly. I want us to connect. I want us to celebrate together. I want us to enjoy life together. I want us to go through the hard times together and just know that we can, we can lean on one another. One another. And um, my heart is always open to you. And I will never, I would never reject you. I would never, um, I would always try to be there for you mm. uh, whenever you needed me. Even if we did disagree, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> no, but, 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 and, and, and maybe you should, because maybe they need to see, you know, this part of you. They need to see you emoting and feeling and standing in it. That it isn't just words to you. It isn't just, it isn't politics to you. These are the people that nursed you and nurtured you and protected you and fed you and, and, and held you. They pushed back the night so that you could stand in the day and revel in the light. And your tears are what you owe that kind of sacrifice. And they need to see what they're doing to you. They need to see that you're not just a supporter of Donald Trump. You're their daughter. You're their niece. You're their cousin. You're a woman. Yeah. When I, you, you, you're definitely feeling something. What are you feeling right now? Uh, truth. Truth mm. is heavy sometimes. Mm. You're mm. right. Mm. Well, listen. That's exactly how I think. I, uh, I'm out of time. In fact, I'm over time. Um, but but, but I, I'm, I'm going I'm to go over a little bit. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going over a little bit, all right? <laughs> and here's why. Let me say this to you. Um, Going forward, right, assuming the fact that you'll have your politics and they'll have theirs, how do you think the two of you can be in the same room and have a political conversation without it descending into something dysfunctional and crazy? Now, I asked the question, it was more rhetorical because I have the answer. (laughs) Here's the answer. You do that when you're not trying to change somebody's mind. I'm not trying to make you a liberal Democrat. And in this moment, you and I, you haven't tried to make me a conservative Republican. Okay? In this moment, I've respected where you stand and you've respected where I stand. And when you talk to them, it is not trying to defeat your facts and not trying to change your mind, but simply saying to people, well, what if you thought about it like this? Have you ever considered that? Did you ever hear about this? And it's entering into conversation with, it's like, um, and I'm going to compare this to a dog, but don't, just, don't, just, I, it's the only reference I can think of, Caesar Milan. <laughs> so Caesar says, when you, when you greet an animal, you give them distance as a sign of respect. Distance doesn't say, I'm afraid of you. It says, I respect you. And when an animal knows that you respect them, then they're, then they're willing to give you love and affection. So I'm saying when, when you enter into these political conversations, it's with circumspection. It's, it's, it's with a little, it's with respect. I enter in respectfully. 
And people will realize, oh, she's not trying to change my mind. And she's not, she ain't changing her mind. We are having a conversation where we give differences of opinions, and then we go back to eating, you know, potato salad and, and sweet potato pie. What do you think about that real quick? I think that is a great solution. I think that is a great way to move forward and, and not have this tension. I think I like that. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I have people that I disagree with who are friends of mine, and I, I practice what I preach. When I talk to them, I say, that's interesting. The goal in those conversations for me is to listen, Mm-hmm. And the goal is to offer a perspective. I'm not trying to win. I ain't trying to change you. And I ain't here to be changed. Then we can talk because no, nobody's trying to win. Nobody can lose. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. nobody's trying to, you know, uh, usurp and have power. Uh, I think if you follow that, you'll be well. But I got to let you, I got to let you go. But the thing, the thing I've liked about you the most tonight and what I want, most want to encourage you to do is to share your heart with your family. I will take your advice, Dr. Sean. Thank you. All right. My work here is done, people. (laughs) Thank you, Keisha, for being on. When we come back, we got a lot to do, so don't you go anywhere. We're just getting started. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, life is full of twists and turns and stresses and changes and grief and moments of growth and moments where we feel like we're taking a few steps back. It's important to show up for yourself every chance you get through the struggles that life can bring. And better help. Online therapy is here for the twists and turns and will assess your needs and can, and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log on to your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as is the case with traditional therapy. Listen, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. And they make it easy for you to feel free to change therapists if needed. And it's more affordable than traditional online therapy. And financial aid is always available. So look, BetterHelp is a great way to show up for yourself and to invest in your well-being because, let's just be honest, you deserve it and you deserve some inner peace. So visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash bookashawn. That's BetterHelp, BetterHelp, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And I have a special offer just for my viewers. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash bookashawn. That's betterhelp.com slash bookashawn. Yeah, because I want you to be well. We'll be right back right after this. Right. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> well, we are talking to Steve about one of these questions. All right. So I love I love Ask Dr. Sean and I love uh, the questions that you send me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had tonight with Keisha. Great conversation. Right. Um, and I intentionally tried to model for her what it means to not talk about politics, not get into disagreements and to talk about matters of the heart. Sometimes when you give people your heart, they'll line up with your position twice as fast. All right. Um, Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Hailey, you know what to do. 
Let's take a look at this video, and uh, always a great video. Here's another one right here. Hello, Dr. Sean. My name is Rico with the K from Atlanta, Georgia, and I need some advice. Do you consider it a red flag if someone you're dating is flirting, or could that genuinely be a part of their personality? And if so, when does flirting cross the line? Yeah, great question, right? Um... That's a great question because I think I do think that there are some people who are intuitively, naturally flirtatious, right? It is how it is their way of being in the world, and it doesn't really mean anything, right? Um, but I also think that there are some people for whom flirting is the prelude. <laughs> it is the introit, the introduction to a more deviating and devastating activity, the horizontal mamba. The coming of the creature craving deep in the desperate hours of the darkness of the night. Here's what I think you should do in all seriousness. It's important for you to let the person you're dating and dealing with know what their behavior means and says to you. It doesn't mean that how you're interpreting it is right. It just means that how you're interpreting it is exactly how you're interpreting it. And that person also needs to know your experience with this behavior. That in other cases of the relationships... Uh, flirting has led to this. You've seen flirting and with your friends lead to that. You've seen your parents flirt and then it went to this. And then you also have to ask yourself, where does the concern come from? Where does it emerge? And own that part of your story and tell that part of the story to the person that you're trying to convince or trying to get them to understand the impact of what they're doing. I think when people understand what, what they are doing happens to be doing to you, they're much more likely to have transformation and change and be, be willing to listen. But to just sort of have a problem with flirting as this sort of abstract behavior or this sort of victimizing situation is going to make people defensive. But when you give people more of your story and what you are concerned about, not because of cheating, but because the relationship means so much to you and you value who and what they are, they might come to the position that though flirting for them is natural, it may also in this case be offensive. But I don't want to ignore what you said about red flags because you're in the relationship and you see the behavior and you know the person. And if, it's, if this is genuinely a red flag for you, if it's genuinely something that just sort of, then maybe you might need to have a different conversation with them. And that conversation involves a renegotiation of the terms because you don't want to accept something that you ultimately can't put up with. And only you know what you can stand. I think if you follow both parts of that advice, tell the story, explain the apprehension, give context to the fear, but also be more than willing not to ignore what it is you think and feel and to understand that you are feeling this way because something is actually being presented to you. You put those two things together and you have an opportunity to have a real conversation with your partner, a real conversation about where this is going. And maybe that's the best advice. That instead of talking about the flirting, you guys have a conversation about where you wanna go and what you want this to be and what role flirting and monogamy and promiscuity play in that. And then you can get people to make commitments and agreements. And then you might actually be in a better place. All right, let's do another one. Someone DM me this question. 
I am a lesbian and I have been with my girlfriend for two years. She has two daughters and she and she and her girl spend every weekend with their father. She claims they only spend weekends together so her children will know what it's like to have two parents spending time with them. I want to believe her, but this has red flags written all over it. Do I have the right to tell her that I am uncomfortable with her weekend arrangement? Well, thank you for the question. And let me simply say, of course you have the right to tell her that you're uncomfortable with the weekend arrangement. In fact, you not only do you have the right, you have a moral responsibility. And the more you don't say it, the more of a problem it's going to be. Because resentment grows in silence. Resignation grows in the absence of words. Anger and bitterness always happen when we refuse to be direct about how we feel. You need to have a conversation with her about this, especially if you perceive it to be a prelude, once again, <laughs> to something else. And if you are concerned that something else is going on and you're not saying anything, oh, it's going to come out. But it's going to come out in a way that's unhealthy. It's going to come out in a way that might devastate the relationship and ruin the connection. And it didn't necessarily have to end that way. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to stand up for your relationship, to stand up for yourself, and to stand up for your future with or without her. By opening your mouth and saying exactly how you feel in a way that she can hear it. Did you get both parts of the equation? Because we always need to tell people what we're thinking and feeling, but we always have to do it in a way where people can hear it. Because if you can't hear it, you can't respond to it. And if you can't respond to it, you can't make the changes I'm asking for. We can just fly off the handle and say whatever we want to say to people and, you know, and then we get other people all riled up and angry and mad. And then what we ultimately wanted never happens because we never got to the place where the other person was actually hearing anything we were saying in a way that we needed them to hear it. You speak up for yourself and you tell her what you are concerned about. As with the last question, when you tell people your fears, contextualize the fear. And what I mean by that is I'm not just telling you that I'm concerned about you doing something with, you know, the father of your children. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about what might happen because of how much you mean to me and how much this means to me. That's what I mean by contextualizing the fear. It means that you don't just tell people what you are concerned about. You tell them why you are concerned about that thing in the best light possible. See, when she knows that you value the relationship and that you're trying to honor the commitments that you made, then hopefully she's the kind of person that will understand this isn't growing out of you trying to stop her from doing something. This is growing out of you making sure that you guys have a future. Let me give you some other advice. I'll, I think this is one of those times where you need to see a professional and sit down with someone who can help you process the moment. Because I think that your girlfriend... She's practicing behavior that doesn't necessarily make sense, and she's practicing behavior that I think is ultimately self-defeating. You see, having her daughter see her every weekend with their father may not be sending the message that she thinks it is, and it may not be teaching them what she hopes it's teaching them. Maybe she needs to hear someone tell her that she can teach her daughters how to be connected to their father and stand on their own two feet how to be strong, how to be relational, how to be themselves. It's complicated, but I know you can work it out. I want to thank all of you for watching. Thank Keisha for being on tonight. I want to thank all of you who are struggling 
even though you've been rejected by people who don't understand you. It doesn't matter if they understand. What matters is that you are still here. I want you to know I'm proud of you. In spite of all the doors slammed in your face and all the rejection been extended to you, you keep on going. Y'all be good to each other. Love you.